But happy Mother's Day uh, to, to all of you. We're so glad you're here to, to worship with us. Um, I'm not sick. I have what they call, uh, it's called coach's voice. And uh, my son uh, plays soccer. I'm his coach. And they played uh, playoffs on Thursday and Saturday. And so my voice is a little uh, gruff today. And so please, uh, please bear with me. Uh, but we're so delighted you've decided to uh, worship with us this morning. As you walked in, you received a program that looked like this. I wanted to draw your attention to that. Uh, we're beginning a new series called Our Imperfect Family, and I'll get to that in a moment. But if you can open this program, there's a few things that I want to draw your attention to. Uh, the first is a connection card, and you'll see that uh, on the screen. It also looks like this. If you could fill that out right now as I'm talking, there's a pen that you should have received with your program. You can also use Church Center if you have that app. Uh, you can scan this. You could do it electronically if that's easier for you. But this uh, really helps us uh, connect with you. Uh, you can let us know how we can pray for you. Uh, you can let us know uh, next steps, events that you want to sign up for. This is a way for you uh, to really put things into action uh, into your life. And so fill out that connection card. Uh, let us know how we can serve you. And then also, uh, there's a piece of paper that looks like this, this half sheet, which is what we call a listening guide. And this is designed not only to be the guide as you listen uh, to the sermon this morning, but really as something that you can use to uh, take notes on, uh, mark things. Uh, there's scriptures on here. This is designed for you to leave here with even some things that you could ponder and think about this next week. Uh, when you listen to God's word, one of the things that you do is, is when you, you hear it, uh, you can learn at a certain percentage. But to actually think about it yourself and to apply it to your life, that's when it actually gets traction. And that's when you begin to change. And so I encourage you to take these notes and use these. Uh, that's helpful uh, for you. And so I want to begin uh, just this series uh, today specifically talking about what's the point of family. And this is a big picture. We're going to kind of go 30,000 feet, dig into the scriptures on what God says the family is for, the purpose behind it. And then even in the middle of the imperfections, how do we make the most of the family that we're in? And in this church, like most churches across the world, uh, you have a mixed bag of families. You have people that aren't married and they're single. You have people who are married without kids. You have people who are married with kids, kids that are at home, kids that are empty nesters, and they're throughout the country, throughout the world. And you have people that are longing for a family that they've, they've never had. You have people that look back on their family and there's a lot of bad experiences. And so we tend to be a mixed bag of our experiences. We're a mixed bag of the decisions that people have made that's impacted our family. And then also uh, we're impacted by our own decisions in our own family. So the point is, no matter where you are, where we are as a church family, uh, the scriptures speak to us. Uh, they call us forward, and that's what uh, today is. And so if you look at that listening guide, and you'll see here uh, on the, the screen, I wanna just start by giving you key scriptures on family. The reason this is so important is if you don't know what the Bible says about family and about marriage and about parenting and the household and what the family environment will be, there's no shortage of people trying to give you answers. If you look at our culture, if you look at movies, if you look at songs, if you even look at other people, you get all sorts of ideas of what the family should be. But it's actually the scriptures that should guide us. They should lead us forward, no matter what, no matter what we've experienced, no matter in even the cracks and the imperfections, it's the scriptures. So uh, today I'm gonna highlight some of these scriptures, but I encourage you, 
as you look at that list on here and on your listening guide, make a moment even this week or the next few weeks to maybe spend some time and read what God says about the family. This is not an exhaustive list on scripture, but what you find in scripture, it's very specific. It's not just general. It's not just a bunch of rules, but it speaks specifically to different areas of life. And so if you never read these scriptures or maybe you have, I encourage you to to revisit them. And oftentimes what I do when I read scriptures, I just ask God to speak to me. God, as I read your word, will you speak to me? Give me insight, give me understanding. Show me if there's something in here that I really need to focus on. If there's maybe a direction that I have that's not in the right direction, will you, will you recorrect that? And what you find is as you put yourself under scripture and the truth of God's word, he will do that. He, he will help you. And so what I wanna do is just highlight some of the, the themes of these scriptures with some main ideas so you can kind of have this picture of, okay, this is what the family looks like. So this is what the family looks like. And then the hope is that we then look at our own family and decide, okay, well, where are we? And then where do we need to go? And then where am I in my family and where do I need to go and where is God leading me? So here's some backdrop principles uh, from scripture. First, God is the one who created family. Uh, It's actually his idea. Humans didn't come together by themselves and just decide, let's just be a family. Now we're made for community and we're made for family because that's how God intended it to be. And again, there's all sorts of ideas in our culture ideas of what you should be or who you should be. But the only idea that matters is God's plan. And our role is to continue to come back to what God's plan is and through his work in us, align with that plan. And so this series is gonna be, how do we unpack what God's ideal and what his plan for family is? And so what I wanna do right now is just give you a a series preview of where we're gonna be headed over the next a few weeks. So today, what's the point? That's what we're talking about. Next week, we're gonna talk about marriage uh, specifically. How do we team together? And then what do you do if you've been divorced? What do you do if you're struggling in your marriage? What if you are just not on the same page? But what's the idea of God's ideal for teaming and what does that look like? That's next week. The week after, week three, more than survival. Any ideas what I'm gonna be talking about? Children, yes, amen. Parenting, because oftentimes, Parenting feels like we just have to hold on and survive this. But there's actually, according to the scriptures, it's more than just survival. It's more than just biding your time. There's a purpose for parents. There's actually a purpose for kids too. So we're gonna talk about that on May 28th. The week after that, we're gonna talk about the right atmosphere of the home. And how do you set that? And how do you have an experience in the home so that it's actually beneficial for everyone? Every home has a temperature. Thermostat set to a certain temperature. Is it cold? Is it warm? Is it unpredictable? How do you set the right temperature according to God's ways? And then we're gonna close out the series talking about weathering the storms. How do you as a family face trouble? Every family faces trouble. Parents age. Even the aging process brings trouble. Kids get older. They make decisions that impact their lives. Sometimes in detrimental ways, it brings trouble. Then there's times that your kids face things that Seems unfair. Maybe they get a sickness. Maybe they just face something that's terribly hard. So how do you as a parent help your kid when they're facing trouble? When they're in the home and then when they're not. When you've launched them out, what's your role to play when trouble comes? And so that's what we're gonna close out this series and God's work in the middle of all of that. Uh, Like I mentioned uh, last week, 
Um, this series is also gonna be a little bit different where we really want you to be interactive because each of you are in a family. And we wanna answer your questions. And my wife will be joining me for a few weeks of this sermon series to answer some of the questions. And so if you've not had a chance, um, I'm gonna show a barcode that you can, or a QR code that you can scan in a moment. But we did a poll over the last uh, week of where the people of this church are, are feeling the tension. And I just wanna share uh, those results. So if you see that the biggest uh, hardship is when things go blank, right? Like when you're thinking about something to your kids, you don't know what to say anymore, right? But the biggest hardship compared to everything else was, was parenting. That's the thing that causes the most trouble or tension in our lives. Then you see the next thing is with extended family. Now, if they're here, don't say amen, but just do that, you know, just a little nod, okay? Um, but even extended family causes tension, and you'll see the different categories uh, just feeling stuck in my marriage, and then even like being single. We're talking about the family, and I'm single. What, what do I do? That can be a real tension for people who are single, who, who are no longer married. And so as a church, with these tensions, we want to focus on, on what God, God's word says. And so uh, put the next slide up there, and you, there's a QR code. And this week, I'm asking another question, where, is, where do you need the most help? We talked a little bit about tension this is a little bit more specific. So if you scan this, you can participate. So confusion of roles, if you're married, what's the husband's role, what's the wife's role? Did you know that the confusion of roles and communication are the biggest causes of tension in marriage? It's communication. Now, you wives, you heard that. You husbands, you probably didn't even hear that. Did that just sum up most marriages? What did he say? But even just what we hear, how we process, Male-female differences, they can cause a lot of tensions. But God's specific on the roles that men should play and women should play in a marriage. So how do we, how do we align with that? So is there confusion there? Uh, disciplining kids, that's one of the hardest areas that you face. Well, what does discipline look like? How should I apply that? Parenting teens and older kids, dealing with past hurt and then caring for aging parents. So you take your camera out and you just put your camera up there. It should bring a link. You press on that and you should be able to participate. So this is a time, usually we say put your phones away, but you can get your phone and just hold it up and you can scan that right now. I will also have this on the screen after the service. And so you can scan that. But what would be great about this series is if you participate, because we wanna answer the questions that you have. So please, if you're a teen, if you're a kid, an adult, ask the questions that you have, scan that, and, and we're gonna aim to answer that over the next a few weeks. So our imperfect family. Now, if you can, look, look at this again. If you have a program, go ahead and look at this cover. Doesn't that picture make you sick? Why? Why does this make us sick? Because this is sometimes what we expect our parenting to look like, our marriage to look like, our family to look like. And some of the worst times we feel like we should look like this is when you pull up to the parking lot in church. And you get out and you're like, smile, kids. Smile, honey. We're at church. But the fact of the matter is, life does not look like this at all. There's so much tension and pain and hurt and trouble and confusion. But the great thing about God is he meets us exactly where we are. He meets you exactly where you are. 
And because your life doesn't look like this and my life doesn't look like this, we can actually receive help. Because at the moment we think that we need to keep up this appearance, we really get stuck. But it's in that moment where we realize we actually don't have it all together. It always feels like something's unraveling. Sunday was good, and then Monday was terrible. Tuesday was a little better, and then Wednesday it fell apart. That actually sounds like a song. I'm going to write that. The last week of the series, come, no, just kidding, I will. No songs here. But this is what things think we, we have to be, but that's not the reality. A reality is a little bit like this, but presently, we live in the tension between God's ideal and our imperfect family. That's why there's a tension. There's God's ideal. There's his plan and his ideals, but, but things are broken. So oftentimes, because things are broken, in the middle of the tension, we think then we have to get further away from God because we don't meet his ideal, but it's the opposite. Because we need his help, we need to draw near to him. And that's one of the biggest myths of life is when we face problems, we back away. It's actually when you face problems, you should draw in. Because God is the one who gives you the power to change. He's the one that gives you the comfort when you're in pain. He gives you answers to the questions that you have. But that tension is very real. And so we hope that you'll leave this series of being encouraged. We're all degrees of being imperfect. Amen. That means I agree. Amen. Good. We're all on the same page. And family life sometimes can, can be a mess. Here's some pictures that I think illustrates this. Um, there was great intentions for this wedding shoot. <laughs> Now, we laugh, but in that picture, I don't think many people were laughing, especially somebody in a white dress called the bride. It's probably her worst nightmare. Let's take a picture on the, the bridge, they said. It'll be elegant, they said. It'll be the best shot ever. And then the bridge collapses. This is real. That's not Photoshop. That is a wedding party where lives changed in that moment. But that's oftentimes... We have this wedding and we have this marriage and then really quick, we can find ourselves in deep water. Uh, here's another thing related to parenting. I don't think that was the plan. Now, you don't have to admit this, but there might be parents in here that have accidentally dropped a kid before. <laughs> and there might be other parents that don't know that ever happened. So this isn't necessarily confession time, but this can happen. The parents... Let's swing. It'll be beautiful. Oh, maybe, maybe that wasn't what we thought. But parenting can feel like that. Things are falling apart, and sometimes it feels like our kids are falling, and they're struggling. Now, this one, this is what, this, this, this. Now, this one, this is literally a family shoot that they, they got a professional photographer, and she used touch-up, and I don't think she realized the final product, but this was sent back to the family. Could you imagine? Like that, I'm sorry guys, but that's kind of kept me up this last week as I, and I just have to share that with you. But if you look at that, like that's not the intent. You don't hire anyone for, I could do that for free. But compare this to our, you know, that, that, that picture on the, the front. Like that's, this is more like, like it is a lot. Like we're in desperate need of some restoration desperate need of God to clean some things up. And the good news, is he, he does. So why do things look like this? And, and why do we struggle with that tension? We're, we're, we're in a fallen world. I don't have to convince you of that. You can look at your own family, your own heart to know that, the pain 
that you've experienced the choices that you've made. And then all around us, God actually created a perfect human and Adam and Eve, and they were together, and the creation was perfect, and then sin entered, and then brokenness has existed ever since. And ever since then, from the beginning, when sin entered, this tension has been real. The pain, sometimes the suffering, the frustration. We live in a broken world with broken people, broken uh, relationships. But again, our role in the church, and specifically if you're a Christ follower, our role is to continue to come back, not pull away from the ways of God and God himself, but draw into him. And he'll help you. He'll give you hope and he'll give you answers and he'll give you a way forward. And it doesn't mean that it's without work and it, it could be very painful to change. Sometimes it could take decades for even some family situations to begin to see the ray of light. But God is, is a faithful God. He's faithful because he sent Jesus, his son, to die for us, to forgive us of our sin, to patch up the brokenness. And although the cracks are still there, we can experience the restoration that comes from following Jesus. And so if you never decide to follow Christ, you can't move towards God's ideal without first deciding to follow him and surrender to him. Because without that, there's no power in your life. You're just trying to put Band-Aids on a bucket with a of holes. It won't work. It'll just continue to just drain and your life will continue to drain. But if you turn to Christ, you say, I need you. I can't do this alone. I can't do this in my own power. You draw near to him. He will help you. And that's a promise. He'll begin to, to change you. And so despite the tension, despite that mix from God's ideal to our reality, we have to turn back to God as our maker because he's the one who established family. The second big idea from Scripture is, is also there's a foundation of family. And marriage is the foundational relationship of the family. Family is God's idea. He created it. And then marriage is this foundation that, that he's put together. And we see that in the beginning as he created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And next week, we're gonna dig more into this idea of marriage and teaming together. So I hope you'll join with us. Now, families, based on this foundation of marriage and based on God's ideal and his plan, uh, there's actually two major focuses and purposes of the family that they should be accomplishing. Um, first, they should be teaming together to do the will of God in the earth or on the earth. So if you're wondering what, what's the purpose of family, the first one is it. It's actually to do God's will, to do it together. Do God's will on the earth. This is actually part of God's plan for redemption in the whole world, is that he would use families that are loving and serving him to make a difference in their neighborhoods. And he'd use families that are loving and serving in their neighborhoods to team with other loving and serving families, and they make a difference in a community. This is actually what we find in the church. It's family units and family units and family units that come together as a spiritual family to make a difference in the world. It's to do God's will. This is where you find the greatest joy in life, is doing God's will. Not our own will, not our own ambition, our own goals, but to do God's will on the earth. If you ever wonder, like, well, why, are, why am I here? Why did God give me these kids or this spouse? What am I supposed to be doing? And it's full of frustration. You always know the answer is I need to do his will. And if what I'm doing right now goes against his will, you shouldn't do it because this is always the goal, to do his will. We'll dig into what that will is in a moment. 
But the second major purpose of the family is to raise up a godly generation, not only to do his will, but to raise up a godly generation. See, family life can feel oftentimes like roommates. It can feel like that in marriage. It can feel like that with kids where you're just kind of occupying the same space, but you come and go and you just pass like ships in the night. You know, I don't get in your way and you don't get in my way. But, but actually, it, it's much bigger than that. It's much, much bigger than sports. As much as I love coaching my son and partly losing my voice, the family is much more than anything that happens on a field or on a court or in a gym. It's also much more than my accomplishments, what I can do in my own job. As a man, like my job is to provide but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than having fun, although having fun is key. It's much more than entertainment. It's, it's to do God's will. And if God has given you kids, parents, your role is to train them in a way to be godly. So God will use them and their generation to make a difference. So these are the two big purposes. But I wanna dig in and unpack that first point of doing God's will in, in the earth. So that's very broad. So let's dig into four major ways that, that we do uh, his will. Uh, these are called the, the kingdom prime directives, meaning if you're ever unsure of where to head and what to do and what to focus on, these four things should be your North Star. They guide you. If you feel lost, you just look up, God, where do I need to go? These four things. They're the prime directives of what you do to be a part of the kingdom of God, of what your family should be focused on, your marriages should be focused on. If you're younger, what your life should be focused on. Now, the good news with these kingdom prime directives, no matter the stage, the age, wherever you find yourself, you, you can apply this to your life. So here's the first one. Doing God's will on the earth means honoring God through the mundane. Uh, this is the great mandate. We've all been given this. Genesis 1:28. this is to Adam and Eve, it says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is God giving humans a role that no other creation has to take dominion, make a difference in your world. Now, oftentimes, you know you've been given this role when you go to your lawn and it has weeds that need to be pulled and grass that needs to be mowed. Now, some of you may lo love doing that, cleaning the lawn, it's great. Or laundry, it's getting more real now. Like some of those things, they're so struggling, like we don't wanna do that, but it's, when you fold laundry and when you mow lawns, you actually are being part of this mandate to take the power that God's given you and to, to manage it, to put things into order. The chores of life have meaning because God gave them meaning because he's given us the responsibility to manage creation, manage our chores. Yes, you're younger and your parents give you chores, young people. You're a part of fulfilling God's purpose for you. It's a grandparent right there, right? It's true. So even in the little things, there, there's, there's great meaning. That's the great mandate. The second is to love God and love people. That's a prime directive. This is called the great commandment, Matthew 22. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind 
This is the first, or sorry, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The he here is Jesus. And he's saying, listen, in your life, if you're moving towards loving God and loving people, you're always gonna be on the right track. It's helpful to define love. Now, love is according to God's standards and his ways. But oftentimes, this hits us in, am I willing to put down my own goals on behalf of somebody else? Put their goals in front of mine. This is how you love. And then as God's leading me forward, am I willing to commit to the next thing he's calling me to, even if I feel uncomfortable? This is part of the great commandment. It's part of doing God's will on the earth. The second is to advance the kingdom. This is called the great commission. We have the great mandate, the great commandment, and then the great commission. Matthew 28 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The idea is you make a difference with your life. Share the difference that Jesus made with other people. Don't keep your faith to yourself, but go and share it. Be a light in the darkness. Be salt in the, the middle of the decay like we've been talking about here at Ridgeview. So that's the great mandate, the great commandment, the great commission. And then the fourth is bring glory to God. This is the great objective. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's very interesting in this scripture. It's talking about something that we do consistently every day, multiple times a day, and it's very small. Now, if you're a foodie and you really like that stuff, it's like, no, this is really big. But it's something ongoing, consistent, every day. And the idea is, even those things that seem like you do it without thinking, you can give honor to God and give glory to him. The great objective, giving God glory, is the filter for which we do things. Whatever I do, God, I wanna do it to please you. I wanna make you happy. I know you're the audience for which my life is living out in front of. Nothing is hidden from you. Nothing is outside of your power. Nothing escapes your view. And I wanna please you with every single thing that I do in my home, in my work, every aspect of my life. And so as you put all of these together, I think you'll see them on the, the, the screen. The great mandate, the great commandment, the great commission, and the great objective. This should guide us forward. This is what it means to do God's will. And this is true of us as individuals, and it's true of us as families, and it's actually true for us as a church. These are the same directives that we need to always be working towards as a church family. Now, this week, you may want to spend some time looking at these yourself. Just ask God to, to speak to you. Just, God, is, is there any part of my life where this, I'm just kind of off track here, and I've lost that direction that you've given me? And read the scriptures that, that are in your listening guide, and just, again, ask God to speak to you, and, and he will. So that's part of doing God's will on the earth. And then for those of you who are married or you have kids, then to raise up a godly generation. That's that second purpose we've talked about. Um, I've already read Genesis 1, 28, Deuteronomy 6. I'm not gonna spend time reading, but that's a great passage. You may wanna mark that. Uh, it talks about 
wherever you go, whether you're at home, whether you're out, whether you're traveling, you really wanna explain what it means to walk with God. You wanna make sense out of God in, in reality so your kids see God is real. The biggest factor of your kid's faith is your life as a parent. Now, God does all the heavy lifting. You know you can't change your kids. Did you know that? Just like you can't change your spouse. Do any of us want to? Yeah, a lot of times we do. One of the greatest advice that I got when I was first married from a mentor said, you cannot change Sam. And I kind of knew that, but then I thought, oh, oh that's really helpful. Because oftentimes we get so full of like these expectations that we have for somebody. If they would just do what I want them to do, but you, you can't change them. God is the only one that changes a heart. He's the only one that draws people to himself. But the way that you live makes a difference. Is it true and real? Can I see this reality lived out? And so parents and those of you who are married, the way that you live and the way that you treat each other at home when no one's looking is so key. I don't know how many times in family life, oftentimes it could be even after a sermon, I go home and I blow it with one of the kids. And I just say something I shouldn't have said. I'm frustrated within me and I'm short with them or I don't want to be around them for a particular reason and I just find like, God, I just, I need your help. So when you have a bullet that says, raise up a godly generation, this is not an idea. To do this, it will cost you your life and it will be the most inconvenient at the inconvenient times. But God's given you the strength as parents to show them what it means to live for Christ. And when you mess up, you clean it up and you ask for forgiveness. It's one of the greatest things you can do to help raise up godly kids is agree when you mess up. They know it. God knows it. And we know it as parents. If you can just confess it and say, you know what? What I said to you is wrong. Will you forgive me? You confess that to God and ask for his forgiveness. And then what you begin to do in family life is you, you wipe the slate clean of these offenses. But if you never deal with offenses that happen, bitterness grows, and it grows in your kids. It grows in my kids. What they begin to see is that well, what, what they say and what they do is different. And then disillusionment grows. And so I encourage you, just put just your, your face towards just we want to raise up a godly generation. Malachi 2.15 talks about this. It says, did he not make them one? with a portion of this, the spirit in their union. He's talking about Adam and Eve and the beginning of family. And what was the one God seeking? What was God's plan? What is it? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. This is speaking specifically to men. The idea is like, you don't check out. You don't give up. You don't back away. You don't become apathetic. You don't run. You ask God for help. 
And then when you fall, you keep asking him for help and keep asking him for help and keep asking him for help. Generations are impacted by the way that we live. And we know that because we're impacted by the generations of our own family that have gone before us. So raise up a godly generation. This is part of the purposes. And then specifically, this means to create another generation. Genesis 1 talks about being fruitful and multiply. That's to have kids. And one of the greatest joys I see at Ridgeview when I see pregnant women walking, because I know it's like this is a part of the growth that God has even for our church. It's part of that. Like our family grows spiritually because families are growing numerically. That's part of the joy of being in community together. And seeing our kids on workers begin to calculate numbers of how many will be in nursery at a certain month and how do we get reinforcements. That's what a, what a beautiful thing to have to think about. But creating another generation is a part of God's plan to, to have kids. And we should have kids because if we can raise them in a way that pleases God, think about the difference that growing families make. And I, I've talked about this before, but it makes such an, such an impact. And then a key aspect of this is We have to create a certain environment in the home. Uh, We'll be talking about that on week four. And that environment is love and kindness. That's what warms up home life, love and kindness. That's what all of our homes need. And then focus on God and the flow of life. We'll be talking about that in two weeks. How do we make God real in family life? Not just on a Sunday, not just when we're desperate and there's problems, but, but how, do we, how do we make him, make him real? One of my mentors says this about marriage and this idea of, of parenting together. He says, marriage is getting past ourselves to work together for that which is greater than ourselves. And that's really the truth. You have to get past yourself to be a part of something greater than yourself. And that's really a lot of what family life is like. And so we team together to do God's will on the earth as a family and as a spiritual family, and then to raise up a godly generation. And for this, we need the help and power of God. So here's our our crucial choice, and it's this, to follow God's ideal in the middle of the broken world we live in. Now, how many of you, as I began talking, begin to already internalize how you've not experienced this or you've not done this? And how many of you have already felt guilty this morning? Anyone? Okay, some. Do you know, even when I read this myself, I, I feel like, oh man, I, how do you do this? Because I go home and, and it's so hard and then I'm tired and I'm stressed. You know, you can see this sometimes and it just seems like, well, that's a good idea. That's what oftentimes like biblical principles and even like walking with God, it's like, that's a great idea. But this stuff can't stay in, in ideas, access that like permeate into our life. And so that's why this crucial choice, it means even when we blow it, even when we're unmotivated, even when it seems like we can't get there, like you, you don't give up. I wanna do life God's way. Even if I've not experienced that, even if I've not done that, That's the great thing about following Christ. Did you know it's never too late to start? I believe that with my whole heart because I've come from a broken family myself. I'm imperfect, but I've seen God's faithfulness 
through generations. And the same with my, my wife's family. Her parents were the first Christians in her family. My family line is filled with affairs, adultery, divorce. When my, my, when my wife and I got married, we, we just looked at each other and said, you know what, we, we look back and there's a lot of rubble. But God always helps us build on the rubble because the foundation is laid on Christ and it's new and it's sound and you can build your life on it. Throughout history, there's always been a pull to get off track because of sin. There's always been a pull to do things on our own terms and our own way, especially in family life, based on what we grew up with, based on what we've experienced, sometimes even what's the easiest route. You look at the New Testament, it's filled with stories, stories of God coming through for the Israelites and his people and specific people, and then them just getting settled in their own ways and just disobeying him going back to what they think their ideal is. So the crucial choice is not just settling for our own understanding, but getting back to God's ways. In the book of Joshua, Joshua reminds the people to remember all that the Lord has done for them. And he recounts the ways that God has come through. And what he's doing is he's, he's reminding the people, listen, God has not failed you. He's not left you. We've been in some battles. We've been in some pains. We've made some terrible decisions that have cost us greatly. God is with us and he is for us and we need to stand together. This is what he tells the people in Joshua 24. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. I love this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is saying, listen, if you don't want to serve him, don't fake it. If you don't want to follow him, don't act like you are. Follow the gods that your fathers followed. Rebel like they did. But as for me and my house, we're going to stick the flag in the ground. We're going to follow him with our whole heart, and we're not going to look back. And those words call out to us today. There's all sorts of ideas and little G gods we can follow. Success, money, comfort, convenience, status. But we all have to decide, to not to decide. You are deciding so as the people of God here at Ridgeview, we have a choice. Like, We need to serve the Lord together, and each household has to decide that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If I could, I want to speak just a moment to some of you. And the brokenness that you face, if I may. This morning I was walking and various people came to mind. As you talk about family, as you are on Mother's Day, as you, you look at things, and I'm always blown away by the grace of God as he brings people from all sorts of walks of life and different experiences, many is which is filled with rubble and pain. And you talk about these things and sometimes 
it can feel very desperate. So I just want to say a few things. For those of you who have kids who are not walking with God, as adults or as teens, God, he sees you and he hears your prayers. I want to encourage you to continue in the prayers for your kids. Don't give up. Don't stop praying for them. Sometimes this may mean that you have to step back and not intervene and not rescue them. Allow God to get a hold of them, their life. Sometimes they'll have to experience pain. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop loving them and reaching out as you can. For those of you who can't have kids, as your pastor, I pray that you will be able to. I pray regularly for all those who are longing for kids and can't or can't have kids and never were able to have kids. And sometimes it can feel so empty. And so I pray that according to God's will, he'll allow you to have kids. But at the same moment, I thank God for you because of the role that you play in our community and how your spiritual mothers and aunts and fathers and uncles, aunties to all the people within our church, God sees you and you make a difference. For those of you whose marriages are struggling, I encourage you to hang in there. Remain steadfast. Do not give up hope. Continue to reconcile, get help, reach out for counsel. Don't give up. For those of you who are divorced, going through a divorce, God will help you rebuild your life and your family. He provides a new foundation in the person of Christ. And so keep trusting and turning to him. The reason I say this is, this is why the church is so important. Because God, in our imperfect family, connects us to a church family, which is also imperfect. But we don't have to do this alone. This is the purpose of the church. We come together and we do God's will on the earth. And we also are part of helping raise the next godly generation. I don't know how many people in this room have had an impact on my kids because of their prayers, because of the time that they've given, the counsel, the challenges. This is real. My kids are different because of the church family, not just because of us. So I encourage you to continue to draw in, get help, and put your flag in the ground to serve the Lord. Well, that's just a little light intro week. I needed a box of Kleenexes. Good night. Um, I want to invite Cameron up. He's going to walk through some announcements in a moment. But I just have two next steps for you today. I've given you a lot to think about, and I encourage you to do that. But come back for the rest of this series. I promise I won't cry like this every week, okay? But come back for the rest of the series and invite a friend. Family life is the most probably thing that we face that's the most personal to us. There's probably people in your life that could actually use some hope in their family. And so invite somebody. 
Because, you know, our family's talking about just imperfect family and God's plan in the middle of that. You'll never know how God could use that invitation. And then pick a scripture uh, to memorize from this week's sermon and chew on some of those scriptures and spend some time really, really thinking. And then I think we have that, that barcode again. Oh, sorry. Sorry, thanks, Emily. Uh, next week, again, teaming together, I'm going to talk about marriage with my, my wife, Samantha. And then here's that barcode again if you want to scan it, if you haven't had a chance. Please ask your questions. It could be even related to what I've talked about today. It could be something that you're facing. Um, we'll do our best over the next few weeks to answer those questions. So thank you so much for, for being here today. I love what God's doing in our family, our spiritual family. And I can't wait to see what God does in our other families that God's given us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. Without you, we are hopeless. We're directionless. We're just left to our own resources and we run out. But with you, we have power. We have grace to begin again, to build on the rubble. And we thank you for that grace that we have in Jesus. We didn't earn it. We didn't achieve it, but... It was given freely. If there's anyone here that's not yet decided to follow you, I pray today that they will, that they'll make the statement before you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray against the obstacles for their hearts to turn to you. I pray against hardness of heart, stubbornness, shame, or guilt. In the name of Jesus, I pray against them. And I ask that people, all of us in this room, will see you before us, leading us in the ways that actually bring you glory and bring blessing to us. Thank you for being with us this day. It's in your son's precious name we pray, amen.